Merry Christmas. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Today is the very first day of Advent, so we begin the, uh, the celebration of Christmas here as a church body. We're glad that you can be here to join with us on this Sunday morning as this season begins. I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know that many of you were able to enjoy Thanksgiving with your families, and we celebrate that. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Isaiah chapter 9. A couple of announcements. Uh, today begins our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, so um, uh, please just be aware of that. Lottie Moon is our Christmas offer. Well, actually, it began a couple weeks ago, but uh, we begin our, our real emphasis on Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Our Lottie Moon Christmas offering is, is the, uh, the offering that Southern Baptists take up for international missionaries. So every dime that you give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes to support international missions. Not one dime of it stays or goes anywhere else. Every single penny goes to support international missions. Uh, so I, I hope that you, uh, as I've asked many years before, we will consider making your largest Christmas gift, a gift to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year uh, as it goes to support international missionaries like Kevin and Jamie Bowers, who I hope that you'll get to meet at some point over the next few weeks, um, and like uh, their stateside, and like our very own Luke and Patty Talbert and their family who are currently serving in Riga, Latvia. So please uh, consider prayerfully how it is that you might contribute to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year. Also, please just be reminded we are observing the Lord's Supper on the backside of, of my sermon this morning. If you've not already gotten the things that you need as a family to take the Lord's Supper, uh, those things are available on the table uh, right back there, sort of direction of where the bus shed is. So if you haven't, you can get up and grab that stuff at any time uh, during the Lord's Supper, or during, even during the sermon this morning as we prepare for that. You can see the other things that are listed um, in your announcements as they're emailed out from Autumn each week. Hope that you can participate in those things. I know that our teenagers do have their progressive dinner lined up for this weekend. So uh, uh, please be in touch with Pastor Adam about how it is that you might participate in all of those things. All right, by now, hopefully you've made it to Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read the first six verses and just FYI, we're going to be in Isaiah 9 for the next uh, three Sundays. So you can uh, take and put a bookmark there and be ready each week for the next three weeks as we consider what these few verses have to say to us uh, from God's Word. Stand with me in honor of God's Word. I'm going to read these six verses to you this morning. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, for the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian for every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray one more time this morning. God, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified through this message Speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. What is the hope 
of Christmas. We already see so many things about the Christmas season. The Christmas movies have begun. And it got me thinking this way of a, one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite Christmas movies. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight, or it could be that his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve, hating the Who's. Staring down from his cave was a sour, grinchy frown at the warm, lighted windows below in their town. For he knew that every Who down in Whoville beneath was busy right now hanging a holly Who wreath. You know the story? You know the movie? You know all the movies. The Grinch hated Christmas and decided, of course, that he must stop Christmas from coming. This year, it seems like almost everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. Riots, elections, racial strife, and of course, COVID. We're in the midst of a pandemic. But it's Christmas anyway. It is Christmas anyway. Christmas weather has even arrived this morning for our first Christmas service. Regardless of whatever else is going on in the world around us, Christmas still arrives. Once a year, we are reminded that Jesus was born. The light of the world came into the darkness to bring hope. And this year of all years, we need the light of hope. We need the light of Christ. So regardless of what you have going on in your personal life, and regardless of what we have going on collectively this year, I want you to know it's Christmas anyway. And no one or no thing can stop the hope of Christ. Let's all be reminded this year, what is this hope of Christmas? Here from Isaiah chapter 9, I want to point out three things this morning. First, I want us to see that there is hope in the revelation of Christ Hope in the revelation of Christ. Now, if you recall, the book of Isaiah was written by a man named, coincidentally enough, Isaiah. Isaiah wrote his prophecy, most of his prophecy, after his uh, revelation that we encounter in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up there in the temple. But that begins with this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, Uzziah was the king for quite some period of time, and he, he reigned over a time period of great um, peace and prosperity. But in that time, when the, the, the geopolitical systems around them were uh, simmering, when Syria and Assyria were growing in strength and in power. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah was encouraged that he was still worshiping the God who was seated upon his throne. Isaiah was encouraged that though the earthly throne had been vacated, the heavenly throne was still occupied and the Lord was still high and lifted up. And so it's in the midst of this sort of turmoil that Isaiah gives this 
prophecy. And it's important for us to remember that this is a prophecy. Now, a prophecy is by its very nature and definition something that has not yet come to pass. It hasn't happened yet, but what Isaiah is speaking of, what he's referring to is the coming invasion from Assyria. And he's spoken of that primarily in, in Isaiah chapter 8, that this, this coming invasion is coming. Uh, but as it is pressing upon them, Isaiah wants them to know that there would be no gloom for her who was in anguish in the former time. He brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Now we don't pick up all this because we're not always attuned to all the geopolitical happenings in the Middle East during this time. But all of these words bring into a, a, an understanding that once Assyria would take over uh, what were, were the lands of Zebulun and the lands of Naphtali, Assyria would rename them into Galilee and to a few other names. And it's, it's those names that are referred to here that he has made glorious, the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, and Galilee of the nations. Those are the three regions that Assyria would define divide the lands of Naphtali and Zebulun into. And it's in those three regions that Isaiah wants us to understand that when the Lord returned to his people, he was going to erase the doom and the gloom of defeat from the land of Zebulun and from the land of Naphtali, and instead there would come hope and light. But none of this had come to pass yet. All of this was in the future, but Isaiah was telling them what was coming. Isaiah was confident that the revelation that God had given was a revelation that would come true. There was no question in his mind. This is written in what we refer to as the prophetic perfect. Not in the English language, of course, but in the Hebrew. The prophetic perfect means that even though it had not yet come to pass, Isaiah wrote about it as though it had come to pass because he had confidence in the revelation of God. Folks, as we look toward Christmas, I want you to know that there is hope in the revelation of Christ. There's hope in the person of Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God from the beginning is what John chapter 1 teaches us. Jesus is the revelation of God in the flesh. But it's not only revelation in the flesh that we have. We have hope in the written revelation of God, the very Word of God. There is hope. But what does this revelation bring? Light, joy, hope. Folks, we have God's Word, and we have God's promises. And even in the midst of dark and troubling days, God's Word never fails, and it never changes. It doesn't matter what rages around us. The Word of God is steady and true. We can have hope in the revelation of Christ because the revelation of Christ is a steady anchor in tumultuous times. It's Christmas anyway, regardless of what happens. And part of the hope we have is in the written word of God and the revealed person of God in Jesus Christ. Second, we can have hope in the presence of Christ. Those who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep, deep darkness, on them has light shone. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. There's nothing that brings greater hope in the darkness than a light, especially a bright light. 
But of course, the light spoken of in Isaiah 9 isn't just any light. It is the light of the presence of Christ. You see, when you see the light in the darkness, you know that someone is bringing the light. You ever thought about that? If it's dark and you see a light in the distance, you don't just automatically assume that that light is just existing all on its own. The assumption is that there's someone behind that light. There's someone holding or controlling the light. In this case, the light is the very presence of Jesus Christ. Jesus is bringing the light. We can have hope because the light of Christ means the presence of Christ. Consider a few verses this morning. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. And then James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. COVID has affected many things, but trust me on this. It has not kept us from the presence of Jesus Christ. I have a close friend. His wife um, was, uh, was, was gravely ill for a number of weeks. Uh, but as a result of COVID, he was really forced to be alone with her in those very dark days. Now, he was fortunate to be able to be with her but there he was, uh, sometimes in a waiting area, sometimes in her room while she was uh, unconscious, and he was alone. And, and he shared with me about how even in that midst of loneliness, one of the great privileges was that even though there was no body around, he was never all alone because he still had the very presence of Jesus Christ. And he said, you know, it was true and it was revealing and it was encouraging for me to know that though all the world might not be able to be with him, that the presence of Christ was there. That regardless of how far apart from everything else he was, that Jesus was always as close as a whisper. Folks, we have confidence in the presence of Christ. Do you have confidence in that today? Do you know that you never have to be alone? That the light of the world has shone, and in that shining, he invites you to be present with him. We have hope in the presence of Jesus Christ. And then finally this morning, we have hope for a certain future with Christ. I mentioned just a few minutes ago that Isaiah pronounced this in the prophetic present. These were things that had not, the prophetic perfect, I'm sorry, tense. These were things that had not yet taken place, and yet Isaiah spoke of them as if they had already come to pass. There was such a confidence from Isaiah that he could speak of Christ's, of God's revelation and of the future promises of God in the past tense because Isaiah was certain of the future that God held for him. These were events that had not happened, but Isaiah spoke of them, you ready? As if they had been accomplished. It was already finished in the mind of Isaiah. He was certain that a future decreed by God would be, not might be, but would be. 
And as a result of that, he was confident that the word of God would, be, would come to pass, that there was going to be a child who would be born, and his name would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. This was the confidence that he had. Not that this person might appear one day, but that it would happen. There's a juxtaposition in the book of Isaiah. The juxtaposition is this, that in the year that King Uzziah died, his son Ahaz rose to power. Ahaz was going to oversee the destruction of his kingdom. And so the one who was seated upon the throne was not going to be able to save his people. But the one who was to come would bring salvation. The juxtaposition is that in the present, things were very dark. But in the future, there was hope. We're living with some of that right now, aren't we? We really are. I mean, we're living with that in, 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 in what we see in prophecy is the double fulfillment. Much of what Isaiah spoke about and wrote about, they're going to see an initial fulfillment in a few years and the ultimate fulfillment in Christ. So, but sometimes we can see these in the microcosm, can't we? We're living right now with the hope of, of vaccines and of medications that can move us from sort of the, the shadow of COVID and into the light of freedom from that. We understand that to some degree today. Now, that is certainly a, a small picture, and it doesn't grasp the full darkness of sin that could be, we could be set free from in Christ. But hopefully it does help us to understand that in the darkness, there's a longing and eager anticipation for the morning to come. The psalmist said, though, that sorrow may last for the night, joy comes with the morning. Many of you understand what it is to walk in the darkness, to wander in hard places. Many of you understand well what the psalmist wrote of when he walked or when he spoke of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But perhaps you don't yet understand that in the valley of the shadow of death, you need not fear because there is one whose rod and staff can bring comfort, hope, and guidance. Because in the valley of the shadow of death, in the deep darkness where you may find yourself, there is the light of Christ. And he promises hope. This Christmas, you can have hope for a certain future with Christ. Not a possible future, not a potential future. You can have hope, confident expectation. I should say that, by the way. What is biblical hope? Biblical hope isn't like, well, I hope something good happens today, right? Biblical hope is a confident expectation in what is to come. You can have a confident expectation of a future with Christ. But folks, we've got to understand what this hope is at Christmas. A recent headline declared that the Rockefeller Christmas tree had arrived and that it represented the hope of Christmas. Y'all, I love Christmas. I love Christmas trees. My wife, I, I, don't even, I think we have like 400 trees in our house. I'm not sure. I, honestly, I think there are nine Christmas trees in our home. I, I, I enjoy Christmas. I love Christmas trees. But let me just tell you this. They're pretty. They're enjoyable. They're fun. They are not the hope of Christmas. They are not the hope for the world. 
Jesus alone is the hope of Christmas. Because the hope of Christmas is actually this. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The hope of Christmas is the hope that we have for these children that we dedicated this morning. That though they were born into sin, there is a better future for them in Christ. The hope we have is the hope we have for you. That if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, here's the hope that we have. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That the deep darkness that is spoken of by Isaiah is the deep darkness into which all of us are born. But the great hope that we have is even though we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, that Christ came. He was born of a virgin. And he lived 33 years of sinless perfection. And he died on a cross to take away the sin that you and I had committed, to take away the death that we deserved. He took our punishment on the tree of Calvary. And so Christmas and Easter are inextricably linked together. Christmas tells us about the arrival of hope. Easter about the realization of hope. Because on Good Friday, we remember the death of Christ. And on Easter Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And every single time that a sinner calls on the name of the Lord for salvation, we celebrate the salvation of Jesus Christ as the hope of Christmas and the confident expectation of Easter are realized in personal salvation. So this morning I stand before you on this first Sunday of Advent as we celebrate Christmas. And I ask you, do you have hope? Have you found hope in the person of Jesus Christ? Do you know what it is to be set free from your sin and to have your feet planted firmly in Jesus in just a moment, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. But before we get there, I want you to know that this Lord's Supper represents the hope that we have. That the blood of Jesus was given so that we might be saved. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but God is rich in grace and mercy. And even though we all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, even though we all deserve death for our sin, for the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, there's only good news on the backside of the bad news. The bad news is that we all deserve God's punishment. The good news is that Jesus offers us the gift of eternal life. The Lord's Supper that we'll take in just a few moments is a, is, is a, a, a memorial meal for Christians, for those who've taken Christ as their Savior and have realized His hope. But if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ. I want you to know that this, this juice, this cup here, represents the blood of Jesus, and this wafer represents His broken body. Because Jesus was born of a virgin, but he died. He died as a criminal would die so that you and I might have hope and life. What is the hope of Christmas? It's the light of salvation that can't be extinguished. And here's why I know that COVID can't stop him. And that even in quarantine, he is closer than a brother. Because though all of hell opposed him, though the Roman government crucified him, 
The grave couldn't hold him and death couldn't keep him. Jesus has overcome. And so in these days of darkness, we are reminded of a very dark night nearly 2,000 years ago. Not only the night that we sing about when Jesus was born, but the night when Jesus was betrayed and denied. That dark night when Jesus was arrested and was put before a sham tribunal and trial. On that night, the Bible says that Jesus was led away. And early in the morning, he was nailed to a cross between two common criminals. And it's in that place that we are reminded what Jesus did. <clears throat> this morning, as we reflect upon the hope, I want to remind you that the Lord's Supper is only for those who have given their life to Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, I would urge you, rather than take this, uh, this Lord's meal, take Christ. Today can be the day of your salvation. If you're here today and, and, and you've not already gotten the things that you need to observe the Lord's Supper with us, some of our deacons are going to be around and they can bring that stuff to you. So if you'll just kind of put a hand up, they'll, they'll get that to you. But um, I want to uh, read to you from God's Word. The Bible speaks in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 of that dark night that I referenced just a moment ago. The Apostle Paul gives us what we believe to be the earliest record of Jesus' memorial meal with his disciples. And the Bible says this, For I received the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let me pray over this bread this morning. Father God, thank you that Jesus not only came, but that he was willing to die. That, Father God, his body was broken so that we might live. Father, I pray that through the taking of this bread, we would be reminded of the body of our Lord who was broken on our behalf. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, if you've never used these, you're just going to remove the little piece of cellophane on the top and it's going to expose the little wafer. If you'll go ahead and take that out. And together, I'll remind you of Jesus' words to his disciples. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper. Now, again, if you've never done these, you've got another little piece of plastic. If you go ahead and peel that back so that you can drink out of the cup. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Bible goes on to say, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, in the gospel accounts of this memorial meal, we are told that after dinner, the disciples sang a, sang a, a hymn together. And so I'm going to pray for us this morning. And I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to sing together. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Is that what we're singing this morning, I believe? We're going to sing about the arrival of Jesus. 
But as we do, here's what I realize. We have some guests here this morning. We have a number of guests here this morning. Um, maybe you're a first-time guest. Maybe you've been with us for 10 years. But maybe today you realize for the very first time that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That if you were to die today, you wouldn't go on to experience the realized hope of salvation in heaven with Jesus, but instead that you recognize that you'd be separated from Christ for all of eternity in a place called hell. If, if you're here today and you're not confident in your salvation, I want you to know that God loves you, that Jesus died for you. And when we stand to sing, Pastor Adam is going to be right over here. Pastor Buster will be in the sanctuary. If you'd like somebody to pray with you this morning, maybe talk with you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. These men would love the opportunity to do that as we sing. But if you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, then I want you to join with me as the disciples join with the Lord. And I want you to stand and I want you to sing with all your might as we celebrate the coming of Christ. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, please hear our song of praise this morning and be glorified. Thank you that you sent Jesus not only to bring light and hope at Christmas, but to bring salvation. And Father, today as we celebrate both Christmas and his death, may we never neglect to celebrate his resurrection and the hope of salvation that we have in Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us this morning as we sing. If you're here this morning and would like to pray with a pastor or would like to know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus, would you come forward at this time? Thank you.